two before the one. Wisdom is water, I'm the daughter of the cannon fodder. Applied knowledge and insight, a born scholar. Look like a martyr to marauders like Tartar. Wise out slaughter, whack MCs, order a plotter. Original woman, decipher the womb. Crown of creation, fruit of the planet, earth and the moon. Peace, peace, peace. Welcome to another episode of Wise the Dome. Um, today, man, is a, is going to be a very dope episode. Um, very, very special guests. Uh, you know, like I said, great thinkers, great talented musicians. Um, you know, great everything, man. And I appreciate you, brothers, for coming through, brother Slank, Sonny Teray, man. Appreciate y'all for coming. Yeah, much love. Thanks for having us, brother. No doubt. No. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Um, first, before we um, we get into the music, um, we were gonna, you know, build some about the uh, Black Arts Movement, and um, if you could just kind of give an overview of the Black Arts Movement and elaborate on its significance within the cultural and historical context. All right. Uh, yeah. So, like. It's a, the Black Arts Movement was basically a, a movement of writers, musicians, uh, poets, uh, playwrights, every every kind of artists and uh, different uh, people within the Black community that do art. Uh, yeah. But basically, it was coming out of like the, the mid-60s through the 70s. Uh, kind of most of the focus is usually on New York and the, the movement that Amiri Baraka was kind of uh, mm -hmm. leading up there in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. uh, there was also, uh, it wasn't just fixated in one place. It was all over the country. There was kind of, even before the official birth of the Black Arts Movement, there was like a rising consciousness in uh, music and in general with the Civil Rights Movement and the Black Power Movement after that. So it was kind of like an artistic uh, front of the Black Power Movement mm -hmm. and intertwined with it. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I think the, the start will be marked by when Amir Baraka moved up to Harlem in 1965 after the death of Malcolm X uh he had been living mostly hanging with like white beat poets and uh I know his first wife was white and so he had been living more in uh kind of like the Greenwich Village intellectual yeah bohemian type of white areas mm -hmm. and uh he kind of had an awakening after Malcolm passed and uh, was assassinated and he moved up and opened this black uh black arts repertory theater in harlem and that's where a lot of the movement got started and uh basically incorporating like a lot of jazz and just using music as like a liberation uh music and art in general as a liberation tool uh in the black power movement yeah that's that's dope and um also too this is a good book if anybody hasn't read it blues uh people by uh it's leroy jones then but that is amiri baraka um if these so like i often feel like you know, cultural revolution is important, um, you know, just to kind of orient ourselves with who we are and orient ourselves with, with uh, you know, what, what has been uh, taken from us in a lot of cases, right? Um, do you think that this kind of, the Black arts movement, do you think that it kind of helped to, uh, helped in that aspect as far as a cultural revolution where people began to, you know, uh, uh, dress a certain way, talk a certain way and attempt to orient, orient themselves with uh, Black culture at home and abroad? I, I definitely think so. Uh, for mm -hmm. I, I think it was indispensable towards that, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. I think, uh, Slank might have mentioned it, but, you know, it was pushing this idea that art for art shape art for art's sake is some european shit you know mm, and mm. that you know we we have to make art that's wed to us as a people and wed to our politics so uh and I, I know uh i was reading some uh milana karenga you know i know he's a controversial figure but right. you know on the topic of the black arts movement you know he said a lot you know on the topic of cultural nationalism he said a lot so on on black art he said it has to be three three aspects of black art that I really appreciated what he said. It, he said it has to be functional, collective and committed mm. Funct functional in the sense that it has to be useful, mm -hmm. you know, not just art for art's sake, but art for the people collective in the sense that it must be from the people and 
uh, it has to be given back to the people in a more beautiful way than it was uh, received. You know, I, I like that part a lot. And then committed it has to be committed to revolution and change. Uh, it must commit us to a future that is ours. It must commit us to all that is us yesterday, yesterday, today, and what he said, the sunrise of tomorrow. Mm. So, yeah, I, yeah. I, I definitely, definitely. Yeah, that's wow. That's and yeah, that's it kind of makes me think about another quote Amiri Baraka had where uh, I, I'm only, I'm simply paraphrasing here, but he talked about how art was supposed to lead people to their best selves to the, to a certain level of consciousness like now whenever we see um where music is now and i'm not even just talking about like hip-hop just music in general um we can look at a lot of different genres all across the board do you think that we are in need uh, for another cultural revolution artistically and anybody can go ahead you know just jump in yeah go ahead slam no, yeah, definitely. Uh, as yeah, I think we definitely are in need of another black arts movement, another uh, more conscious period in music. Uh, I mean, even in the '90s, it was like a more conscious uh, resurgence type of thing. We, I feel like we need another one, and I mean, that's what we we trying to do with uh, these Nation Time albums, and you know, push on in general. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I I feel like a you know. In today's day and age, I'm sure y'all see it too. Like with hip hop, a lot of, or just music in general, you know, too much of it is just like, uh, like just a presentation just for entertainment value only, mm. or just, you know, really, you know, laced with materialism, you know, mm -hmm. uh, with no real purpose behind it. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying there's no place for that, but, you know, like Karenga, I would also question, you know, is that it, it might be art, but is it black art? Hmm. If, if it's not wed to those, you know, principles. Yeah, that's and that's a, a, a definitely a idea that uh, all the artists that um, are watching, uh, that's definitely an idea I would like for them to just think about. Like if your art has nothing and we and nobody's talking about like you have to be like the next Malcolm X on wax. You know what I'm saying? That's not I don't think what anybody is saying, but it has to be black and authentic. And like you said, committed for a certain and desired outcome and you know I, I feel like in a lot of cases um people just are not I'm not going to say everybody um because there are um, you know some amazing artists out there uh, especially in hip-hop on the underground scene um mm -hmm. y'all being you know part of that um but making music just to be making music um is especially um like when the album doesn't really sound like it has a purpose it's like it's like you know i saw that was the criticism with uh joe budden and and drake where he felt like you know he's not really growing up with his audience you know what i'm saying and um people ask how yo how can nas you know still sell out shows at 50 and how a lot of these other artists still have even ones that aren't as big have these uh cult followings that will show up to every show um whether it's a, a club or arena type of thing and i think it's because the relatability of your album having a purpose you know what i'm saying like to be able to hear your story to be able to hear how you think your ideas uh, expressed musically like i think that's important like how how you know and i don't want to deviate too much from the black arts movement because i do have a couple more questions on that but like for y'all like how important is it like to be authentically you and and like you said be committed to have make an album and make music that has a purpose no yeah uh i mean when when i write music in general as uh just like kind of how I write, it's just about that kind of stuff. I try to like put in, you know, history and stuff, uh, not overloaded, but mm -hmm. uh, just keep that in there. And, and I don't see, uh, I, I personally don't feel like I need to tone it down or anything to like uh, get along to get along type shit. Uh, but yeah, I'll let, I'll let Sonny go on that too. Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely something I battled with as an artist, you know, mm. like, uh, I feel like starting out 
self-conscious, but then, you know, having ups and downs with it, you know, kind of just maybe kind of keeping track with my life in some ways. But yeah, I feel like not every song got to be conscious, right. you know, but uh, it, it definitely, I mean, if it's not part of your whole corpus of your work, then it's, it's something lacking because it's such a, a part of who we are, you know what I'm saying? As a collective where we're at, you mm -hmm. know, condition wise, and if it's not there, then it's not as human. It's not as mm. black as it should be, you know, it, it, and yeah. yeah. That, that's a good, I, that, I like when you said that it's not as human, right? And and the fact that every song does not have to be about this, that I, sometimes I think the authenticity and the reality, like in certain songs, they don't have to be conscious at all. I just, unless it's aimed to be a party joint or something like that, which has a place obviously in hip hop, people like hearing you though. You know what I mean? Like every, I just feel like the uh, one of the biggest problems is um, what is pushed is like a cookie cutter thing that goes through a conveyor belt. And whenever, you know, this MC isn't hot anymore, there's, one right behind it that's just like it aesthetically and all you know what i'm saying no definitely and uh and even with uh like the black arts movement that was uh basically as like the government started to like target these groups and these black power organizations and stuff because they were putting out this revolutionary art they then replaced it with their own cookie cutter version a black art sanitized, you know what I'm saying? Uh, basically Negro art is what they yeah, were. Like. Yeah. So like, Crazy. Uh, but yeah, like that, that's another thing. Like they co-opt because even like, even like the masses of people, there's like consciousness and stuff, even if it's not at the front, like people instinctively feel a certain way. Mm -hmm. So if you're not putting any kind of mention of uh, stuff that's going on in your music, that's going to sound disconnected. So even like big artists that aren't conscious, they're still going to talk about, you know what I'm saying? Police brutality or something, maybe yeah. just stuff that's going on because like instinctively people out there, that's what like they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I think it just, we just need to try to raise it to a higher level, I guess, because yeah. it's already out there. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Just bring it, bring it forward more. Yeah. I, I, one, one thing that Karenga said again, that I, I liked a lot just on the topic of black art, he said, really, there's no such thing as art for art's sake. He said, all art reflects the value system from which mm. it comes. Mm. So that's something also, like, it made me, like, like it's that's going to be something I think about as I go forward and make more music. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, and, and really, as I listen to other music, like, you know, if, it's, if this ain't coming from no black value system, you know, then where is it coming from? Usually it's from coming from the, the values of the dominant society, capitalism. Mm -hmm. White, yeah, white, white supremacy yeah yeah absolutely and and now and the and and like those the people that are putting out a lot of this music as far as in in the mainstream uh we we definitely know their value system and it's to make a dollar um regardless to whom or what especially and if they can exploit black folks at the same time they all for it you know i i, I you know it kind of trips me out like i hear that uh that it was that clip from um it was that clip from uh, Wise Intelligent where he was talking at a, he was at a panel and he was talking about, you know, um, how Young Buck was putting out an album, his first album. And, you know, throughout the whole album, you know, he's killing dudes and all of this. And, but there was a song on there about police brutality and busting back at the police. And, and then the, the, the label was like, nah, we can't, you can't have that. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And it's like, but you're cool with the the other, the violence against ourselves. You know, you're cool with that on the record, but you're not cool with, and it's just a song, right? It's it's not, it's, if, if they, if they feel like music can incite that type of violence against the quote unquote authorities, then can it incite that same type of violence against ourselves? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not one to 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 blame any type of of uh, you know inner community violence on hip hop because that's crazy because it's been going on since. But I have seen um, people, impressionable people, 
take a lot of these ideas and tropes that they see in the mainstream and, and act as if that is reality. Like, have y'all seen like anything similar as far as because like I and we're all three educated enough to know that this is not the root of the of the issue. I don't want anybody to get it misconstrued, but to say hip hop doesn't and pop culture doesn't have any influence on people, I would I would think that 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 would be incorrect, right? I, I would I mean just to answer that quickly, I'll pass it a slang after this. Anybody mm -hmm. that's worked with black youth close, mm -hmm. you know how easily impression they are about what is played around them the, the popular songs like anybody that says this idea that like there's a total disconnection mm -hmm. between mainstream or popular hip-hop and what's uh being impressed upon our community like i, I think they wrong like and mm -hmm. I, I work with the youth close mm -hmm. close to the youth you know what i'm saying and you see you, you see the effect that it has on them and then you you see also where you know their life takes them. You know what I'm saying? Now that like you said, it's not I'm not trying to make it like over deterministic just with the music, mm -hmm. but uh there's something about the values that you hear on a repeated basis, you know what I'm saying? Right, right. And and how that weaves into you know your daily thoughts, you you know. So yeah. Indeed. No, yeah, I definitely agree. And uh and like and like you were saying, like music is so much more uh mass accessible accessible so like people you're gonna hear a song on the radio before you might you know get deep into some Malcolm books or like mm -hmm. read about something else so uh and that's another reason why it's so targeted you know like FBI wouldn't have been raiding Baraka's art theater where he's putting on black plays and stuff if uh and and having son Rob play music if it wasn't some kind of like threat or something like that so mm -hmm. So uh, they, so he had the so they was raiding the the FBI was raiding uh his 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 uh, theater and and trying to shut down his plays and all of that. Definitely. Uh, be, well that that goes into because all right. So originally when he first opened that theater, this is right around the time when Lyndon Johnson was trying to put out these programs like alleviate poverty and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. So right across the street was a hotel Teresa from where he had this theater. And out of the Hotel Teresa, some black politician up there, one of Adam Clayton Powell's dudes or something, was uh, running some kind of program where he was like giving out money to different Harlem groups that were willing to uh, do. Basically, they were trying to stop riots. So they were trying to fund any kind of diversion program or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But this is right when Barack is coming into more black consciousness. And uh, so for a while, they was getting money from like... Uh, some government program that was sending money through some Harlem office to like promote cultural stuff or whatever, but they was using it to like go way too hard for what the government was like doing, I guess. And they didn't, they didn't care at all. So like at one point, uh, Shriver, who was JFK's like brother-in-law, some high, high politician guy named Shriver who claimed himself to be like a real progressive liberal. Uh, I think he started the Peace Corps, you know what I'm saying? Mm. So like, kind of that, like, liberal but still imperialist arm of the of the ruling yeah. class yeah. so like Shriver comes down to visit see what's happening in harlem with all this this is like 65 when this first started and barack and then wouldn't even let him in the building they was like tell him go fuck yourself <laughs> like that. so after that the government completely stopped giving any kind of money to whatever they were trying to do in harlem uh but they keep moving but it was harder without without them funds. And that's when they realize you got to go to economic base. You got to have your own publishing companies. You got to have your own connection and stuff. And that's really another part of why the music that we get mass, like on the, the mass airwaves and stuff is probably so watered down and stuff is because we don't control the mm -hmm. record companies, the publishing companies, things like that. And mm -hmm. that's really what the black arts are trying to do to, to self-reliance so that we can say our own, whatever we want type shit. Yeah, see, and that's that's so that's needed, man, because we have artists like yourself. We have a and a lot of uh, uh, indie artists that are extremely talented. You know, when people will say, and I and and I know you've heard this before, and I and I hate it, but I also don't blame them too much. But they definitely got to take some of the blame for being lazy. But a lot of times people will say, man, you know, hip hop is dead, you know, and, or, or everybody, uh, everybody coming out is whack. Now it's like, nah, that's everybody coming out on the mainstream is whack. Right. Uh, whenever you're tapped into the indie artists and the underground, man, it's people that are really spitting 
and pushing the culture forward. It's dope uh, MCs like yourself, dope producers like yourself. And it's important. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this show is because like I was, you know, I was kind of like seeing how a lot of the other platforms were only having one type of artist and they were only talking to them about crime, right? And so we look at, and we look at media uh, and we look at music and we look at entertainment and it goes hand in hand. So if one thing, let's say you got artist A, right? Yeah, artist A he went went on the, on the uh, YouTube media circuit with all the big uh, media channels, even some of the culture vultures. Um, and so uh, art, artist A puts out an album, album's not really talking about anything different than what everybody else is talking about. But then to promote that album, artist goes on his press run on his YouTube podcast. Everybody on the podcast is asking him, yo, so what's up with the beef that you got with artist B? Um, what's up with, you know, uh, back in, you know, uh, uh, before you got on, like, like you did four years in prison or you, you shot so-and-so and that's all they talk. They're not even asking about the music. You know what I'm saying? So it's always, um, and so I just implore people, you know, like not only to, to watch if, for people that aren't tapped in with some of the artists that I have on here to like, after you watch the interview, like go listen to the music, you know what I mean? And save it. And because once you start, like I noticed, like ever since I got tapped in with the indie scene and I would save uh, certain albums to my phone, then they, they become part of the algorithm. And so it starts recommending artists that are like that. So at this point, there's not really, in my opinion, an excuse not to know. But just I just wanted to get my little PSA on to let everybody know, like, hey, man, it's great. Talented art. Look, I'm having a dope conversation about the black arts movement with uh, uh, MC and a producer. Who is dope on the mic and dope on the boards, but are able to have these type of conversations as well. You know what I mean? And so that says a lot, man. So make, make sure everybody like y'all tap in, say the albums to your phone so it can be a part of the algorithm. Um, I want to, after, I, you know, just to pivot a little bit from the Black Arts Movement, one of the other things, obviously, that's big in the news uh, right now is uh, the uh, situation that's going on in Palestine, right? Um, what are your thoughts on the way Western media has been portraying um, what's been happening in Palestine? I mean, I think in large part, it's a pity party for Zionists. It's a pity party for, for the settlers, you know, the colonizers over there. And I mean, they pay just a little bit of lip service to the humanity of Palestinian people. But it's it's only to check a box before they get right back into the purpose, the utility of, of this propaganda, you know, elitist media. Mm. And it's to support imperialism, you know. Biden, by I think Slank posted this uh, uh on on Twitter a while back. Uh, Biden said if if there wasn't an Israel right now, we would create one be to, to protect our interests in the Middle East. I mean, not ours. I'm speaking from Biden's point right. of view. You know what I'm saying? Right, but right. To, to protect the white American Western imperialist interests over there, and that mm. that's basically what I think. Yeah. I mean, and, and also, yeah, I mean, not not enough attention paid to the the despair and the tragedies faced by Palestinian people that are fighting for lib liberation righteously. You know right. What I'm saying? Right. Yeah. Because I, I and I saw on Twitter and the slink, I, I want you to uh, expound on that, too. But I, I saw on Twitter um, support coming from the Congressional Black Caucus, and I was like, oh, man, you do. Uh, we support Israel with all our, you know, this is what's happening here is a travesty, not a, not to mention any type of Palestinian, right? And then obviously we knew that, I mean, nobody's surprised that Barack Obama and Bernie Sanders uh, offering their support for Israel as well. Um, and the reason I brought that up, because social media is still uh, definitely a form of media. Um, uh, but Slank, yeah, what, what are your thoughts on how, uh, and and also too before I even say that like I was on a I was on a like in in like a, a study group and we were ha we had to watch a uh, 
we had to watch a uh, uh, a documentary on um, uh, revolution in Nicaragua, and uh, one of the definition, uh, one of the the words that I was given to define and to study was mediatic invasion, and it was a word that they were using in Nicaragua for what was happening as far as uh, uh, Western media. Um, almost attempting, well, pretty much Western media uh, attempting to justify a coup in Nicaragua that was only supported by a small amount of people who were pretty much puppets of the West. And, you know, this kind of the same thing with what's happening in Palestine. It reminds me of that. But yeah, what are your thoughts, Slim? No, no, I agree. I agree with all that. Uh, one thing it reminded me of was I seen a like a New York Times article headline or whatever it had a chart with like deaths between Israelis and Palestinians over the years. And it was uh the headline said like most people killed it said something like most people ever killed in the in a year in the conflict. But like the graph had like two thousand Palestinians dead in like two thousand twelve and all these other years, but they just didn't count those as people, I guess, or something. It's like now that there's like 600, however many hundred Israeli got killed, they count that as like the most horrific thing that's ever happened, even though the whole nation was created on. Right. The way more horrific. So like, uh, yeah, it's a total, I, Western media is very one-sided. Uh, but I mean, a lot of the people like, again, who own and uh, are in, in, controlling positions of these companies, these media companies are Zionists, whether they be right. Christian, Jewish, it don't matter. Cause like most uh, right-wing Republican Christians in America, like Mike Huckabee types are some of the most hardcore Zionists, you know what I'm saying? Like that's just a strategic uh, outpost to, to carry out imperialism in Africa and the Middle East and everything. So uh, yeah, if there wasn't like Joe Biden said, if there wasn't Israel, there was going to create one. And uh, yeah, no. Nah, yeah. I just one more thing, because you asked about like how the West is portraying the conflict. And now what we're seeing in the past few days is them casting Hamas and the Palestinian men in general as being, uh, you know, raping Israeli women. And, you know, this is this goes into that, you know, colonial logic, you know, of, uh, you know, trying to convince the the public of this uh, colonized but savage and hyper-violent male mm -hmm. that you can't, you can't be reasoned with, only can be eliminated. Mm. So, you know, we're seeing that as the backdrop as well. Didn't one of the leaders just call them human animals as well? Didn't call it like, we're going to eliminate the human animal. Like, like wow, oh, like they're putting oh. it out there in, 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 in everybody's face and nobody's saying anything. And, and they said they're going to like bomb all of Gaza unless you leave, but you can't leave Gaza. That's the thing. It's like a, they call it the biggest open air like prison concentration camp mm. in the world it's like only ways out is through israeli checkpoints or through egypt but you ain't like i think there's a process you gotta go to get through egypt too so like and they bombed they bombed the border between egypt and gaza recently as well can y'all can y'all kind of explain a little bit like what the location of gaza is like as far is, is it like a you know that we also often hear the gaza strip is it is it a piece of land that was designated for palestinians and they really can't go anywhere outside of that yeah it's like one of the two uh or one of the few places within the borders of israel where palestinians are designated to live like an apartheid situation basically and a very small strip of land toward the bottom uh, i think bordering egypt and even like palestinians from there can't go to the other parts where palestinians live without like certain paperwork and stuff like that so people within gaza are almost trapped like they're they are trapped uh, Israel controls their electricity flow, water, yeah, water right? Yeah, thing. So, uh, and and another thing, just like this reminded me of this too. Getting back to like the politician aspect of it in the U.S., the reason like all our politicians, with regardless of party, in the major, uh, in Congress or whatever, go for Israel too, is because anyone that wasn't like that has gotten purged out of mm. politics. Like I remember there was a, I was watching a Steve Coakley video. He was talking about. Uh, Gus Savage was a politician at Illinois congressman in like the 90s, 80s, 90s. And because he just consistently voted against like Israel and funding Israel and stuff like that, 
they gerrymandered his district. Ron, Ron Emanuel wow. worked with the Democratic Party to like discredit him, make him look like an anti-Semite. Uh, and they got him up out of there just because he was like consistently uh, adamant about the influence that Israel and uh, pretty much the influ- like how America is using Israel in the Middle mm-hmm. East. Mm-hmm. What, were y'all surprised at um, at uh, Dr. Cornell West uh, whenever he kind of came out and was like, you know, it's both sides need to come like, like, no, nah, that's not how that works. But, you know, with him being a, you know, who, 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 someone who speaks about, who speaks a lot of leftist rhetoric and, you know, about socialism and things of that nature, or it, did it surprise y'all? Like whenever he kind of came out and seemingly support of Israel as well? No, nah, it, it didn't surprise me that he, he, he was playing that both sides stuff. You know what I'm saying? And I mean, yeah, if Cornell West is a leftist, I think this is another example how leftist politics don't run parallel to nationalist politics. Mm. They don't, you know, mm-hmm. th- these are two different, you know, uh, I guess spectrums of politics that we need to account for. And um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm not surprised by it. I know, I know slang gang either. We talk about uh, the Cornell West pres- <laughs> uh, campaign weekly. <laughs> I mean, I, I would say he's, he's obviously a better candidate. First off, I wouldn't vote in America for any, white person from either the two parties that's just first off after that <laughs> like the black person's got to be really like about it for me to mm-hmm. like, consider voting for him so uh i would vote for Cornell west over the other guys but uh like yeah i, I just don't understand i i get he's running for president he's trying to like you know present a more balanced whatever he considers front mm-hmm. or whatever uh but i don't think taking that position is gonna sway anybody to vote for him that wasn't already like right. i don't know but uh it feel like it would it feel like it would, he would probably lose some of his loyal fan yeah. base more than he would gain anybody new you know yeah like i i seen president maduro and nick uh uh venezuela i seen him give a statement and it was 100 percent outside of the palestinians and so i i just don't think cornell west needed to do that uh yeah if anything, he might have just not said anything, honestly. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> facts, facts. Um, uh, and so, speaking of that, like, I've seen um, certain individuals, um, some from those delineation groups, and others that are 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 you know maybe just have this point of view. Um, I personally don't. Um, but what are what are your thoughts on? a lot of individuals because i've seen it especially today for some reason um but a lot of individuals saying that uh the events in palestine don't have anything to do with black people um this is you know that that this is not our war this is not our fight um you know kind of ignoring the historical connection that of of you know black liberation and palestinian liberation since the 60s um, but like, what are your thoughts on, you know, that idea that uh, what's happening there uh, does not affect us here? I, I'll say I I understand where it comes from, for lack of a better word, I might empathize with it, even though I disagree with it totally. Mm. You know, and I think that that coming from usually, you know, a less politically educated or uh you know, a group, you know, and I I think that they they might think that just because they look around at black nationalist politics today and they don't see much happening, you know what I'm saying? Right, right. And I I think that there's a certain despair. There's a certain, you know, uh, aggravation at that frustration at that, you know, that that goes unaddressed by black national leaders or what who who we could possibly term as a black national leader in 2023 mm-hmm. you know the the state of black national institutions is very you know lackluster in terms of addressing the needs of our you know our community and our nation you know what i'm saying like w- whether you look at you know black political organizations black political leaders like there's uh, you know there it's all black electoral politics or it's black uh, working class alliances with non-black groups. 
But what about building a black national infrastructure? People are are frustrated that that is not occurring on a national basis. It, it's occurring in, po- in, in pockets locally. Right. But I think it's the frustration with that where mm-hmm. they, they're not willing or able yet to make that ideological or theoretical leap to mm-hmm. seeing how the Palestinian struggle is is is, is our struggle as well. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to speak, you know, build a bridge yeah. instead of just trying to like outright reject that position. Understood. I, I appreciate that as well. What do you, what do you think, Slim? No, definitely. That was a really good point. Uh, yeah. Because, yeah, a lot of people just don't know how, how it is connected. So mm-hmm. they just see attention paid to one thing and might think, oh, they never, you know what I'm saying? We ain't, we're going through the same thing type of shit that somebody might feel like that. So, yeah, that was definitely a good point. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I would say the, the connections, though, is just, first of all, Zionism is global. So it's it's not just uh, restricted to the, the Middle East or that mm. little part. Uh, like you saw my Nicaragua earlier, Zionists were involved in funding the Contras and fighting down in Nicaragua. They were involved with, like, pretty much all the, the different genocides in Central mm. America, the 80s, and uh, Guatemala, and mm. Back in Rio's mind and helping Reagan uh, do all kind of stuff, and and also in America, the, the a lot of police departments train over in Israel to get their training on how to uh, basically carry out the same tactics they do on the Palestinians here against us. Like the uh, yeah, and 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 just in general, Zionism it seeks to expand. So like their ultimate goal is to make what's called greater Israel, which encompasses like Syria, Lebanon, parts of Iraq, Saudi Arabia, Jordan, and Egypt. So like their ultimate goal is to conquer part of Egypt. And even in the sixties, 67 through like whenever in the eighties, they gave it up, but they used to uh, occupy uh, the Sinai Peninsula in Egypt. So like Zionism is not just something that is confined over there. They're in our, in the politics of America uh, they help train our police, you know what I'm saying? And and they have ab- uh, ambitions to take over African land. And I'm sure they probably wouldn't stop it. Uh, Egypt, they would probably have to go to Ethiopia too to, you know, say they got an ancestral link in South Africa. Who knows? They're probably going to go all the way through. But like they back all the neo-colonialists in Africa as well. Uh, pretty much every African puppet from Mobutu all the way through uh, Idi Amin uh, through the present day was backed by Israel, so like, yeah, that's pretty much. It. I, s- I saw something today that uh, also uh, Shake at the Jop kind of mentioned um, their strategic position of Israel is always going to be a threat to Africa. You know what I mean? And anybody who is Pan African, obviously, um, would. You know, I think we have to definitely take into consideration what both of y'all just said and the fact that where it is positioned, um, it's it's and and like and like you mentioned earlier about what uh, Biden said, you know, uh, if there wasn't an Israel, we'd have to uh, create one just because of where it is, you know, and uh, and and so that's definitely a a a, a great point. Um, and I definitely appreciate both of y'all insight. Um, before we get into uh, Nation Time and Nation Time 2, I wanted to ask you, uh, Slank, about uh, Black Dragon, New African. Um, amazing album. The first album I ever seen with a bibliography, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, which is dope. Um, how did that, how did you even come up with the idea, like, to have a bibliography for an album? And if you can, tell some of the, um, you know, the fans what what books are on that bibliography. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, the first album that we had bibliography for was uh, Nation Time. Mm. Was, oh, my bad. OK, OK, OK. I had a bibliography for that one, too. Mm-hmm. But I just thought of the idea because when we were making that, uh, me and Sonny, both of us were dropping a lot of references. He uh, he was using a lot of uh, audio clips as well, too, in there from Miri Baraka, mm-hmm. uh, Sada Shakur, people like that. Mm-hmm. So I would. Um, I just wanted to make like a, a bibliography instead of just like a standard back cover track list, just have like all the references because I'm, uh, yeah, I just wanted, you know what I'm saying? We, we were talking about knowledgeable black history type of stuff. So I wanted to incorporate somewhere where like if you want to read more, yeah. what our references were, you know what I'm saying? You can check the bibliography. 
And uh, I did it with Black Dragon, New African as well, just because I was talking about a lot of similar concepts and things in that album. And uh, yeah, uh, actually the first thing on the Black Dragon, New African bibliography is uh, a speech from Nuri Muhammad that mm. he gave the uh, Urban League in Louisville that I, me and my little brother went to in 2022. Mm -hmm. uh, no, I met, I met Nuri Muhammad. Uh, I've seen him speak before a couple of years before that in at like a mosque in Louisville. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, it's the first time I actually met him. And now mm -hmm. his speech is like really inspirational. And I would say that was probably the biggest thing. When I was writing Black Dragon New African, that was like the biggest uh, on a lot of the main tracks was written like right after I went to that speech. So like he was talking about how we can't just be, uh, he related a lot of like children's nursery around stuff. And he was talking about how we can't just tell our kids like, I don't have any kids, but in, in general, like gently down the river, merrily, merrily, you know what I'm saying? Life is but a dream because in a white world, like you can't just go with the flow. Mm. You should row against the stream, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Or you can't teach your kids like Mary had a little land fleece white as snow without like thinking about what you're really teaching them about, like, you know, how good the white snow is, all that kind of right, stuff. Right, 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 right. Um, uh, yeah. No, I was going to say like, so how did you and... Oh, Sonny, you know, I'll, I'll come with you. Like, you know, when it comes to uh, crafting the, the, you know, well, how, well, first, how did you and Slank link up to do Nation Time? Word. That's a, that's a good question. Uh, we have, you know, I, I think I had followed Slank on Twitter, you know, years ago and just, you know, and just learned from him, you know, like so many other people do, you know, Slank is a, you know, one of the, best resources on Twitter Thanks. as far as like for the black radical tradition, black radical history. Thanks. And uh, just so happened that we followed each other on Instagram and I had dropped some, I I'm, was more active with my music on Instagram at the time. And he had messaged me about, about it, you know, and just from there, we had just, uh, you know, started exchanging emails the first song we made actually is one that ain't even came out yet. It's called What in the World. Mm. Uh, that's that, that we're going to try to drop that this summer that we actually did that one before anything on uh, Nation Time. But uh, but yeah, I mean, we pretty quickly got into making uh, Nation Time one or really the first few tracks of it, you know, and yeah, I just I just sent him some beats. He sent me some ideas back and he asked me to finish some of the ideas he sent me from uh from that batch and that's how it started oh what yeah. what was kind of like your all right so you know when it comes to producing an album um you you know you can you, whenever you're producing a, a locking in with one artist and producing the whole album come what's the difference you know with that compared to that and that process that creative process compared to uh you know somebody needs a beat uh you send them a beat you know and you got one song on their album like what's the difference whenever you know we're just locking in with one mc that's that's a, a really good question i i tend to stay away from just trying to have a single beat on somebody's project mm -hmm. uh you know I, I really try to lock in with the artists that i work with to the point where i tell artists you ain't got to throw me no money up front you know if i'm producing a project for you we can make money together on the back end so I, I'm I'm really much more partial to that, you know, mm. as far as the, the big change between like Nation Time 1 and 2 would would be Nation Time 1. We only worked through email mm. and uh, but Nation Time 2 slant came here what the studio you see me at. And no. we, we built it from the ground up here in the studio together, producing and writing. You know what I'm saying? Oh, uh, yeah. So well, that that nah, that's that's dope. I I really can't wait to hear it now because like I know what it, I know. There's always a difference, and it's like if you can just kind of maybe speak on that. Like what is the difference this time actually meeting up with Sonny and and then you know recording that way. You know I I know that has to uh, you know energize you. You know what I mean compared to you know y'all communicating through emails, sending tracks and verses. No, definitely. Uh, yeah, not going to the studio over there was yeah, a whole different experience because uh, also because usually I'm used to more uh, like not going to like uh, like a home type of setup. 
like Sonny had like all he has like all the all the shit you need to like mm. get that shit 100 crisp but i'm used to going to like a studio where i go for a couple hours and then leave mm. but mm -hmm. just being able to like be in there you know what i'm saying really hone in uh like be there while he's making the beats too and then mm. even sometimes put input in it i think there was a couple songs in nation time too where, where the, i played the bass line on it uh because i play oh. like stuff so like it was a lot more collaborative there would be times i'm in there writing uh he's in there writing his verse i'm writing my verse and like we're going like we go we're halfway through talk about him where should we go with this you know what i'm saying a lot more uh able to control the direction and like work off each other and yeah it, it's a i think it's a it'll show definitely uh on like the final project though Mm -hmm. that's dope like what would, did y'all as far as like the concept of nation time and nation time two what were you, what was your idea you know for the concept and especially for those who may not have heard uh nation the first nation time album uh i would i mean the, just me and slank coming together like it, it had a conscious you know uh line and like everything we did had you know uh was conscious you know what i'm saying and in, in, in its approach so i mean once i added some clips on you know to the first batch of songs and then eventually slank sent me the a mary baraka poem like yo what do you think about you utilizing this and then i mean it it instantly stuck you know mm -hmm. like once we uh kind of uh formatted how we wanted to include that in there just the name came about quickly from that you know uh and it, i think it meshed perfectly for what we was laying down oh i i i definitely agree and for people that don't know amiri baraka has an album called it's nation time as well um where you know it's him um poetry spoken word with like jazz uh and so that's a dope concept that um that uh that I, you know just especially with the content and what both of you brothers are about you know what i mean and um which is also another tie-in to you know the black arts movement that we spoke about um earlier this is a this is a way in my opinion um to keep it going you know what i mean um to to give it more life you know what i'm saying so i definitely um appreciate uh appreciate that um uh, Slank, uh, I know you in 2023, man, you've uh, dropped a lot of music. Um, you've been staying busy. Um, what is what's 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 keeping you motivated and inspired, man? And it, all dope projects, all dope projects. You know what I'm saying? Like there's not a, a fall off that they're all, they're different, you know, which is also a good thing. You know what I mean? But like what's been what's been uh, uh, keeping you motivated? Uh. Definitely, I feel like what joining Push Soul definitely the collective that me and Sonny are in, mm -hmm. uh, that that he started and stuff with a lot of other dope artists as well. What's the name uh, of the collective again? Uh, Push Soul. Okay. And uh, but yeah, like just having other artists to like meet with on a regular basis, like we we meet weekly, you know what I'm saying? Over uh, over Zoom right now, cause we're in different places, but uh, but yeah, so like just having that has just helped me make more music and better quality of music and stuff. And, uh, just having like different producers too, that I've been working with recently, uh, like the Mary Mac, uh, Mary Mac produced black dragon, new African, uh, and then Anthony G Supreme produced, uh, deciduous environments, which is a newer album I put out. And then of course, working with Sonny and stuff with nation time and, and the other projects we got coming and, and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, uh, I'm in school right now too. So, uh, uh, just just trying to having something else to do besides law school it definitely helps. So, like, whenever I'm not, whenever I can look forward to a studio session or whatever, I can on my downtime when I'm not studying, I can write some stuff that just helps. So I just uh, yeah, try to make as much music as I can in my downtime. Yeah, no, that's great, man. Um, and you know, arts and music in all of that is a release for people, you know, it's a be to be creative, uh, to be in that artistic zone um, is important um, to create something from scratch 
and have a finished product there's always so i i it's a great feeling it's a beautiful feeling you know what i mean um sunny what was your idea in behind uh creating the musical collective i i which I, I think is dope because um, some of my, you know, when we think of albums and 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 crews, I, you know, I, I think of, you know, like Dungeon Family and Wu Tang and like the, you know, early Death Row and the fact that whenever you're able to, you know, bounce ideas off of a collective of great uh, musicians, there's always going to be great music being made. But what was your idea, you know, behind, um, you know, creating the collective? Uh, that's a great question. I, you know, I'll just say up front, you know, I've been part of like student organizations, local community organizations, even national ones like uh, Malcolm X grassroots movement. But I can say, honestly, Push Soul is the most revolutionary group mm. I've ever been part of, most mm. revolutionary organization. And it, it is a, you know, even though we're just a band of brothers, we, we're organized, you know what I'm saying, how we approach things. We started uh, meeting weekly before the pandemic started, and we ain't missed no week yet, you know what I'm saying? No. As far as it's coming together, not just, uh, you know, plan and plot what we want to do musically, you know, because uh, all of us got the dream of, of being a professional artist, being an artist that can sus sustain our lives with the art. Mm -hmm. uh but you know we also sustain each other just through the brotherhood as well which you know you can imagine through the pandemic how beneficial that was and what type of bond we was able to forge you know what i'm saying just you know over the years through that but i i've always you know i, I started making music at 14 and so I, i've been part and I, i've started and been part of music collective since then uh and it, it that's always the way to go you know what i'm saying if you're gonna roll with a certain group of people you got to formalize it in some way you know what i'm saying Agreed. uh so yeah that's always been a, a a part of my my music journey no doubt no doubt um and so lastly i want to ask y'all for one again um definitely um appreciate y'all for coming through i definitely appreciate the first album nation time I know Nation Time 2 is going to be crazy. Um, as we anticipate the release of Nation Time 2, uh, what can we expect, you know, from the album in terms of themes, direction, and, you know, for those who may not have heard the first one? No, uh, definitely a lot of themes. Nation building, you know what I'm saying? Black nationalism. Uh, yeah. Uh, I would say... Some of the some of the tracks in this one are a little uh, have like a darker feel to them. Some mm -hmm. of the favorite ones that we made so far. Uh, but yeah, overall, similar concepts like just basically a concept album that has to do with, you know, black nationalism. Uh, and yeah. Yeah, I would just add on to that, like between the second one, like the second one has got a more urgent type feel to it. Mm -hmm. You know, what I'm saying the first one was an introduction. But this one is like, you know, the body of the story. This one where the action mm. is taking place in a lot <laughs> like of ways. That. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You know, um, also, too, man, you know, I, I need people to understand that y'all make good music. It's not just the things and the ideas, as, you know, that are expressed. Um, music still has to sound good. You know, um, it's extremely important. And y'all make great music and you know it, it happens to have a theme it happens to have substance which uh makes it that even much more great in my opinion that's the kind of music that uh doesn't die it's things that people relate to things that people can grow an emotional attachment with uh as far as musically um that's the that's the kind of music that lives forever and that's what y'all did with nation time one and i have a feeling nation time two is dope as nation time one is i have a feeling nation time two is probably gonna be even doper you know what i'm saying and uh, i can't wait um you know to, to to listen to that man and um i'm definitely gonna have uh um nation time one will be in the description for everybody that um hasn't heard it but um, for the people that may just now be tapping into the movement and and want to follow you guys and 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 learn more about you, where can they follow you? 
I think the most the, the most simple place we can point people to is pushsoul.com, P-U-S-H-S-O-U-L.com. Mm. Uh, that's the the website for the collective. And you'll get all the, the latest updates there, but also, you know, uh, our, our social media accounts. But yeah, pushsoul.com, probably the best place. No doubt. No, I agree. If you go to pushsoul.com, uh, P-U-S-H-S-O-U-L.com, all our like social media is at the top. So like, yeah, you can find my Twitter on there. Slank, uh, dab squad slank, underscore slank on Twitter. Yeah. For sure. And yeah, before we go though, slank, uh, you got to show me some of the books, man. You know, cause one of my, I was talking to my homie, uh, on the phone, uh, earlier today and I told him what I had on the show. He said, man, you got to get him to show some of the books, man. He, <laughs> like he be, he be posting, like he be posting some jewels, man. So yeah, if you can, you know, the, the audience, uh, as a big fan of that. So yeah, just show us, show us some joints. Nah, just, uh, black arts related books. Definitely, uh, the autobiography of, uh, uh, Leroy Jones by Mary Baraka. Yeah. That's a good one. Just Dope. about Baraka's life. Uh, uh, preface to a 20 volume suicide note is one of his early, like books wow. of poetry. Mm-hmm. So I would recommend that. Uh, definitely. Definitely read Blues People. Mm. Uh, Amiri Baraka, you know, goes through the history of uh, blues music and and the roots and slavery and 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 African elements in it. Even so, I would recommend that. Uh, this book right here called Black Nationalism in America, edited by John Bracy. Wow. This has some very good essays in it. It mm. looks like like Garvey on the front, uh, but it's got some essays about like. Uh, uh, Askia Toure, who was in the uh, Black Arts Movement, a good poet. It's got, you know what I'm saying, a lot of different perspectives. Harold Cruz, who uh, nice. was involved in the Black Arts Movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Black Arts Theater, they used to have Harold Cruz teaching history classes. Wow. Uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. And, and Crisis of the Negro Intellectual, for those who don't yeah. know. Yeah, this one right here. I just got that. I ain't That's, ready, but I just yeah. got to, to get into it. Sonny, he knows about that one. But uh, yes, that's major. Nikki Giovanni, The Women and the Men. This is another book of poetry. Nikki Giovanni was, you know what I'm saying, a Black Arts Movement uh, poet, along with like people like Sonia Sanchez. That's what I was going to ask. Sonia Sanchez was a part of it as well, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, yeah and a lot of jazz musicians, uh, Coltrane, you know, Sun Ra, they used to have a, a, a van where they would just ride Sun Ra down the street in Harlem playing like music and stuff. Like that was just a thing they did. Uh, Wow. And then I got a whole lot of books over here from Black Dragon, New African Bibliography. Mm-hmm. I'll just show some of those. Uh, definitely people should check out Radio Free Dixie about uh, Robert, oh, Robert F. F. Williams. Yeah, this one was very good. Uh, even beyond just Negroes and Guns, this one goes into a whole lot of stuff that's not in that one. Uh, one at one point, Baraka and Robert F. Williams was in Cuba. And the clan was trying to attack his wife and family uh, back up in North Carolina. Mm. Uh, and he went to the U.S. Embassy and threatened them, like, if y'all don't send the police to protect my family, I'm going to blow the ambassador's head <laughs> off. <laughs> they protected his family. <laughs> Black Skin, White Mask by Fanon. That was mm. on the Black Dragon bibliography. Uh, Black Awakening in Capitalist America. That's mm. definitely an essential one. Uh, talks about the co-opting of black power, you know what I'm saying, by Nixon. Yeah. And do more. Black about. capitalism. Yeah. And uh, Malcolm Speaks, Malcolm X Speaks, definitely an essential one. Uh, Huey Newton, you know what I'm saying, revolutionary right. suicide. Uh, these are all stuff on Black Dragon's bibliography. And George Jackson, Blood in My Eye. I would say after like Malcolm's autobiography, this is probably like one of the most influential books that I've read as mm. far as like. Same. Stuff like that. And uh, you know what I'm saying? Some Lenin, uh Dope. State Revolution that was on the bibliography. Henry Bibb slid across the river low key like I'm Henry Bibb. He, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, he escaped slavery like seven or eight times and like but just kept coming back to try to free to his, his family, family, right? Yeah, that's that's yeah. powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Now the, the stories he goes to in there is definitely very powerful. But yeah, those are just some of the the books I had stacked over here for this. So, yeah. 
No doubt, man. I, I just wanted to let y'all know again, man. I, I definitely appreciate the time. I appreciate y'all for coming through. Um, I know the album's going to be amazing. Everybody, make sure uh, you click the links at the bottom um, uh, for Nation Time One and the Push and PushSoul.com as well. Tap in; it's great music. Um, also, you know, follow them on their socials. They're extremely intelligent brothers um, and with great analysis on what's going on in the world. Uh, Slank. Sonny Terray, I salute y'all, man. No, appreciate hey, you. Much love, brother. Much love. No doubt. Yes. Peace.